What Lonzo thinks is a wide-ranging, free-flowing discussion where I offer my unsolicited views on everything from music, movies, politics, sports, religion, pop culture, you name it. If it's happening, I'm talking about it. My thoughts are unsolicited, nobody cares, but I care, and I'm sure DMX cared when he was alive. All right, and I am back with a special guest, Jake Wade. Son, what's the business? Yo, DMX definitely cared when he was alive, and we all cared about him. No doubt, no doubt. And this is a very special episode of What Lonzo Thinks, as today we're going to discuss two hip-hop icons that tragically passed away uh, over the last 30 days or so, that being Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, and also Shock G from Digital Underground. Um, we're going to start with um, our retrospective on DMX. We're going to just talk a little bit about him, his legacy, his contributions to hip-hop. We're going we're gonna to discuss his discography a little bit, and then we'll do the same with uh, Shock G as well. So, that being said, uh, much love and uh, shout-outs to Earl Simmons, born December 18th, 1970. He passed away, uh, unfortunately, on April 9th, 2021, and he went by the name of DMX, which stood for Darkman X. Um, DMX was um, truly an original. Um, hip hop is a game where, where is a is a genre of music where it is vitally important for you to be an individual and for you to stand out at all times. And if you listen to today's music, uh, today's artists really sound pretty much interchangeable. You can listen to a song and really not even know who it is. You can't tell by the voice, by the sound, by the rhyme style, anything. Everybody pretty much just sounds almost the same. Well, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case because when Earl Simmons stepped on the, on the scene, you immediately knew who he was and that this cat was different. I mean, he, has, he had one of the most indelible voices in all of not just hip hop but in music history and everything that he did embodied his style and his personality so he was truly an original someone who truly stood out and i think it's important that we recognize that and just talk about his legacy so that being said jake um just some initial thoughts yeah um the truth of the matter is dmx is like He's an artist who changed the game. People say that a lot, you know, and usually that's a bit of hyperbole, but he really did change the game. Like, when he came out, he took, he took it to a new level where people were, were, were definitely paying attention to him. People were, were clamoring to collaborate with him. Everybody was listening to his music, buying his stuff. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing uh Something, you know, get at me, dog. Um, Rough Riders, anything. Uh, stop being greedy. Everywhere you went, you heard some some DMX somewhere. People were, were taking notice of his, his voice, his lyricism, his actual, like, hardness came through in everything that he did, and he seemed real. And what we know about his life was he was real. And, and the thing about it is, I think that's why he, he resonated with so many people because he was definitely real and that's something that you don't you really don't get out of a lot of musicians period um, 
you know, some people are really manufactured. A lot of people are, are you know, kind of playing a role. Uh, but DMX really seemed like someone who just, he had a, a goal to, to make his life better because he had a hard life. He wanted to make his life better, and he wanted people to know him and actually feel him as a person and an artist. And we definitely got that. And uh, there's really no one like him, and there never will be. And that's why this is, like, so difficult to, to really even think about because you're right. He was an original, and you really don't, don't get that very often. So uh, very missed. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to piggyback off of what you said, I mean, it appears that his persona, was, his persona in public was his actual persona in life. Yeah. I mean, either that or he was a damn good actor because he really he really played that to the hilt if that was all just a gimmick or whatever. But I get the feeling that, you know, just based on, on my exposure to him, obviously I never met the cat, so on and so forth, but based on just, just my perception of him, it feels like he was definitely about that life. You know what I mean? In, in every way, shape, form. And, he, and I think he lived his life according to that because obviously he, st he stayed in the news for a lot of different reasons and everything. And and I, and I think whenever, you know, DMX was in the news, whatever the the news report was, it didn't shock you. I know it never shocked me. You know what I mean? You know, be it something positive or something negative, anything that came out about him in the news, I'm like, okay, it's DMX, of course. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, yeah. And, um, and I think that's a special, you know, that's, you know, it's hard in, 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 in real life or in celebrity life to encounter people who are who are 100 percent about that life, whatever that life is. Be it, you know, if you're if you're 100 percent about education or or 100 percent about finance or 100 percent about thuggery or whatever. There's very few people who are that committed to themselves. You know what I mean? And I think DMX was absolutely 100 percent committed to himself. Yeah, one thing that, that strikes me about, you know, to, to continue what you're saying is, one thing that strikes me about him is he didn't hide himself. You know, everything that happened to him and everything that that uh, we actually knew, he wanted you to know. And he said it, he talked about it in his music. Like, he struggled and he talked about it. He helped people and he talked about it. Um, he did some bad things and he talked about it. He did some good things and he talked about it. He didn't hide himself. So, yeah, absolutely original. Like, he, he was a real person in rap and in life. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't really can't, didn't name anybody else who um, I can think of was like that. Um, it it kind of felt like you knew him and he was either your friend or your enemy or something but you know he, he seemed like a regular guy who had a lot going on and he wanted to talk about it and he wanted you to know I'm gonna get better or I'm gonna do uh, worse but you're gonna know about it to what now? Huh? <laughs> say what? what, what I'm, uh, basically what I'm saying is he talked about everything you went through mm -hmm. like you were saying like you weren't surprised no uh, no it, so, you know, if he did crack, he's going to talk about it in, in his rap, you know. <laughs> if he's going to talk about it in an interview. If he was arrested, he's going to talk about it. If he, you know, the, he had issues with 
he loved dogs, and he always talked about that. But if he had an issue with, you know, getting arrested for dog fighting or something, you're probably going to hear that in a rhyme. If he had a problem with a person, you're going to hear that in a rhyme. He just seemed like a, a real person. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. And um, and like I said, that, that that is one of the things that I think endeared him to, you know, a, 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 such a wide cross-section of, of fans. I mean... I mean, you go to his shows, you're going to see white, black, Puerto Rican. You're going to see everybody up in that joint. You know what I mean? And uh, I said this um, uh, shortly after he died. Um, a DMX concert is one of the few places where a white person could say the N-word and not even get a, a second thought or bad eye. You know what I mean? Because, you know, that, you know, that just, you know, he, he brought people together through, together through his music. Um you know, no, no matter what, you know, no matter what walk of life you came from. Once again, that's just a skill that you know very few artists had, especially uh, in hip hop, huh? I don't know about that, but okay. What? <laughs> I mean, I've seen many performances where you know, um, you know, he's doing, you know, he's doing, um, you know, he's doing his songs, or whatever, right? And he's got the crowd chanting with him, and you know, and mm -hmm. doing, and, and and you know, obviously. For example, my niggas. I mean, I've seen him perform it, and there's white folks in the audience, and they're singing right along with him. I, I get that. I get that. But that you know. doesn't mean it's right. So I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that's one. He's one of the few places where, where a white person could say that out loud. You know what I mean, and not get you know get you know get the, the brakes beat off of them. I'm, I'm uh, you know, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But I've seen that at pretty much every rap concert I've been to, and it, that didn't really make it right. But no, you know. I make it right. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's just you know. He just, it, it, well, he just know, had I that. Feel like white people go to concerts to say that. So what? <laughs> I, I, I feel like a lot of white people go to go to rap concerts so they can say. Oh no, nah, man! I don't believe that, man. <laughs> I don't believe that at all, man. I think white folks who go to hip hop concerts, man. Are truly about hip hop. You're not gonna go if you're if you're a preppy, you know, you know, you know from you know from Yale, or, you know on spring break. You're not going to a DMX concert. No, you know what I'm saying. Going to a Kendrick Lamar concert and you say the word. You know what I'm saying. I guess what I'm, you know. And Kendrick Lamar will call you out. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. You know, but you know if you if your name is Biff, you know, and your girlfriend's name is Muffy. <laughs> You're not going to a DMX concert, you know. What I mean? So someone who takes time out to go to a DMX concert, a white person, you know, it's because they love hip hop music and they're, they're they're brave enough to go. You know what I mean? Hmm. Biff and Muffy ain't going to a DMX concert for no reason. You know what I mean, even well, if it's free. I don't know anybody named named Biff or Muffy, but yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, Taylor and Maddie. <laughs> Carter, <Yeah. laughs> Carter you're and Laney. You're a racist. Oh, stop it, man! Let's not go there. <laughs> you know how many black folks have you met named Maddie, or, or Carter, or Laney? Uh, not very few. Not very many. Okay, so that's not racist. That just there are some. I know there's some. You know, but they're off the beaten path. You Carter mean? G. Woodson. Like I said, man, <laughs> you know, if Tim Scott's your dad, then yeah, the odds of you being named Carter or, or Laney are pretty high. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, we're not we're not here about that today. 
We hear about DMX. We're always going to get on that. Yeah. Uh, born in Mount Vernon, New York, raised in Yonkers. Dude had a, a tough childhood. It's been chronicled, and he's talked about it. He got, he, you know, he came up in uh, extreme poverty. Uh, had some bad parents who used to beat the shit out of him and everything. He got into a lot of trouble as a youngster, you know. But I think, one thing I didn't know about him is that he, he came up as a Jehovah Witness. Did you know that? No. Yeah. He was, um, he was a Jehovah Witness. Um, and, um, um, when he was younger, he actually got struck by a car and was injured. Obviously, he survived, he survived his injuries. And, um, the insurance company tried to get them to settle for 10000 his family to settle for $10,000 for, um, his, um, pain and suffering. And his family turned it down because they were Jehovah Witnesses. Now, you really gotta be committed to your religion. If you if you broke off your ass living in slums, in extreme poverty, <laughs> and you turn down ten thousand dollars because of your religion, yeah. you know yeah, that's kind of a dumb move. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I don't really know why you would go that far with it because you need the money, and you need to live. But uh, yeah, that that would affect anybody uh, if you remember that. You know, if you're a kid. And something like that happened to you, and your family's like, no, we don't want the payment. What? <laughs> Bitch, you better take that damn check. Shit. <laughs> goddamn mine. I got rats and roaches crawling all over me every fucking night. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. I'll yeah. never forget that. I wouldn't either, man. I'm like, uh, uh, I don't think being a Jehovah's Witness is worth it. <laughs> no. No. Not at all. Not at all. So, um. So yeah, so um, once once that happened, I, I guess DMX was like, "Fucking, I'm out." Because at age by the age of fourteen, he was living on the streets, homeless, living in group homes and everything. He's like, "Fuck this!" I mean, you know, I get I get ran over by a car and I can't even get a lick. Why am I here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would be quite upset. Like I said, I would never forget that. No, I wouldn't either, man. Shit, you know what? You know what? Ten thousand dollars can do for us and get us out here and get us into a nicer place. Put food on the table, pay some bills for a few months. You know, you know, it, it can set us on on a different course in life. And and the thing about it is, like, your family wasn't a good family so much. So why are they clinging to religion so hard when when you know they're, they're treating you like crap? Yeah, I mean, because you know, I think we've talked about religion before, man. Yeah, obviously, it's it's nonsensical the way the way people. You know who who devote themselves to a certain ideal when it comes to the religion, how how their the way that they live is totally runs counter to what their supposed religion is all about. Right. So I mean, so that that you know that's what a grain of fucking salt. So obviously he didn't devote himself to being a Jehovah Witness because once he hit the streets, he was like, "Fuck this, I'm out, I'm doing my own thing," and that's exactly what he did. So he got started in uh, in music at age of fourteen. Back in the uh, back in the mid '80s, um, he was um, you know running with a crew um, in New York, obviously, and um, and um, by the early to mid '90s, he came to the attention of Def Jam, got signed, and he was off and running with um, uh, his career. So before we get into his music and his his his, his public career, you got anything else you want to say? No. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I don't know what I can really add to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, okay, 
What was when was the first time you heard of DMX? Do you recall when he came to your first attention? Time, the first time I heard DMX was actually it was Get Me Dog. It came on Rap City one day, and I was like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. And uh, quite honestly, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the beat. I like you know, I like the sample and everything. But um, I was just like, I've never heard of this guy before. He's a flash in the pan. Never hear of him again. And that's amazing because. <laughs> That didn't happen. Uh, I happened to hear that track again a little while later, and I was like, why did I sleep on this? Uh, that was 1998. And uh, from there, I started to take notice of him, and I heard another track with him and Method Man uh, and J.O. Felony called What You Gonna Do With It? And that was awesome. And from there, I decided I'm going to check out uh, this, this DMX character some more because he's awesome. Okay, now the first time I he came to my attention was on uh, four three two one from LL Cool J's um, album. Uh, he was he was um I, I, I think he was still unsigned at the time. I think that's what kind of locked in his deal with Def Jam because he showed out on four three two one, and um, and uh, like I said, that's the first time I I'd heard of him and I, I really took notice. I'm, I'm a huge LL Cool J fan. I, I was a big fan of four three two one. So, um, but I, at that time I had no idea who DMX was, but I knew he shined on that track. And then of course, um, that was followed by, um, Get At Me Dog, as you, as you spoke. And then, um, Get At Me Dog went gold. And then he released Is Dark and Hell Is Hot, which is his seminal, um, debut album. One of the, one of the greatest hip hop debut albums of all time. Uh, Is Dark and Hell Is Hot. So five million fucking copies. So uh, that ten thousand dollar settlement. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, uh, so dark and hell is hot. So five million copies. That was let me see here. That was back in ninety seven ninety eight. Followed by the release of the second album, uh, which is Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, which debuted at number one on the Billboard um, Hot two hundred. And went multi-platinum. His third record, uh, and then there was X, came out in 1999. That also debuted at number one. So his first three albums is Dark as Hell is and Hell is Hot, um, uh, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, and then there were X. All three of those albums debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 album charts. In the span of about a year. Yeah, about a year, year and a half. Yeah. From yeah, from ninety eight, from from late ninety seven through early nineteen ninety nine, those three albums dropped one by one by one, and um, it was it, once again it just it was just off and running from there. Um, he had his first top ten hit, which was um, "Up in Here," "Party Up," "Up in Here," "Up in Here," and he was nominated for a Grammy for best uh, rap solo performance. And uh, and the album, and then there was X. X went six times platinum. So the uh, Dark and Hell is Hot went five platinum. Um, and then there was X went uh, six platinum. And Flesh My Flesh, Blood My Blood went multi platinum. So double platinum. So you know he 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 took the the R and B. Um, he took the art the 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 hip hop world by storm and basically kicked ass. For the better part of two years, so let's talk about um, 
is dark and hell is hot. Now, um, when um, the first time I heard is dark and hell is hot, true story, I was hanging out with my nephew, Corwin. So Corwin, if you're listening, what up, yo? I went to visit um, my sister. That's my nephew, Corwin. Corwin is my nephew. I went to visit my sister up in Atlanta. And um, and uh, we were hanging out, and he wanted uh, he were in my car, and he wanted he had, he had the CD, put it in, and we 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 pumped that thing like all weekend, all weekend. And Corwin knew like every verse to every song, and I'm like, damn, this shit is hot to death. That was my first time um, listening to "It's Dark and Hell Is Hot." So. What are your memories of hell of dark of is dark and hell is hot? Well, I can tell you, um, I bought that CD for Corwin. Oh, you bought it for him? Yeah. Why didn't you get me one? I'm sure. Well, I'm about to tell you. I'm sure I was there that day when when uh, you were listening to it with him. I'm sure I was there. Were you? Uh, yeah, I believe that was the summer that I bought him that CD. Okay. Because I was there, um, I was there that whole summer. And that's when I bought the CD. Was that when you were at Kennesaw State? Uh, no, that was I was in, in uh, that was the summer before I, my senior year in high school. Oh, okay. I I stayed up there for uh, that for my summer break. Okay. And I worked. I got a job up there, just for the summer. Mm-hmm. And with uh, one of my paychecks, I bought him that CD. Um, and we listened to that album over and over and over and over that summer. And I knew about half the album, and he knew everything. So uh, we were obsessed with that thing. And when you got in there and listened to it, we were just vibing to it. So why didn't I buy you one? I did buy you one. You did? (laughs) I bought that CD three times. I bought it for him, for you, and me. Did you give it to me? Yeah. Oh. So if you have it now, if you have it now, it's the one I gave you. Okay, let me check, because uh, uh, I got my collection right here. Let me check. Give me a second. Okay. Feel some air, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, again, the album was so good, I bought it three times. I always tell people that. Uh, and very rarely can I, I even say that about anything. But, uh, you know, it's something I felt like everybody had to have. It was like a, like a present for everybody. I had to buy several copies for everybody. Uh, and yeah, me and Corwin were, were totally obsessed with it. And for a while, we were even like trying to dress like DMX, wearing the dog chain and everything. And um, that whole summer, just re- repeating everything from from every song. Especially, uh, uh, I love "Stop Being Greedy." That was to me, it was a masterpiece. Just the, the way that that uh, he, he tells the, the the story of two different sides of him. You know the the, the the Damien side and the normal side of trying to be good. You know, I was just like, this guy is a true poet, and I don't know why he's not uh, known by more people. But it found you know after that, you know, turned out people were were, were hearing him. At the time, I thought he was just like kind of underground. I thought the album was flying on the radar. No, that thing was a hit, and, and I knew it, and everybody knew it. That's just, that was, that's an experience that I definitely will remember. Uh, I remember where I was. I remember where I bought the CD from. Uh, and I remember exactly how long um, 
I listen to it. I listen to it for for uh, basically every day for an entire summer. And when I say summer, I mean like four months. That that's that's a good album right there. That's a classic. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree a hundred percent. Of course, of the tracks from "It's Dark and Hell Is Hot," the most popular one, the most most well known one, of course, is um, the Rough Riders anthem. Uh, which I mean, I mean, everybody was just everybody was playing that song back then. Everybody, you couldn't go nowhere and not hear that song, even like on radio. I, I mean, radio, TV, you name it, in all forms of media, that song was all over the fucking place, man. And um, but that wasn't my favorite song from the LP. My favorite, uh, my favorite song from "Is Dark and Hell Is Hot." What's the name of that track? <laughs> My favorite one is, uh, damn it, uh, not Damien, The Convo. That's it, The Convo is uh, my favorite um, song from that particular record. And for one, he once again, he's, he's, talking, he's talking to himself. He's talking to his, his, he got his, he got his alter ego going on or whatever, right? But the thing about that song that really stands out to me is that they, that they sampled uh, Nights on Broadway from the Bee Gees. And that is something that just just totally blew me away. How he could take a BG song and make it in something so dark and sinister, right. and uh, it was just a really, really, really deep song. I still listen to it to this day. I listen to all. I listen to this whole album to this day. Uh, but that's my that was my favorite mm -hmm. song. What are your thoughts about the convo? Yeah, the the, the track itself. Uh, I think everybody likes it. I, I know a lot of people who always mention the convo because mm -hmm. that might have been his, his masterpiece on the record. Um, it's not my favorite, but I do think that um, it's one of the best tracks on it because, you know, he was coming from uh, a personal place and, uh, you know, it, it, it was, like I said, he, before he's totally a poet. This is uh, a track that goes into a struggle within himself and a, a, a struggle of, of dealing with, with people outside of, of himself and God and, you know, just the streets and drugs and such. And I think he, he was trying to put a cap on the album as, uh, you know, I think he was really trying to make this kind of the mag magnum opus of the, the album. Um, and it really worked. I know lots of people who always tell me, yeah, the convo, that's, uh, and it comes right after the prayer track, you know. And I think those two tracks are... Um, are connected in that way, where they're they're kind of an inner monologue, if if that makes sense. Um, definitely sequenced very well. I love it, and uh, you know, it's a testament to his, his great songwriting, songwriting, strong songwriting, and his uh, really his uh, spiritual side, I guess. I agree on all, all accounts, and um, and I like to say it's just a, it's just a seminal um, LP in a great way to start one's career, and and um, one of the things about DMX I think really stood out is the fact that he didn't rest on his laurels, and you know a, a lot of artists if they if they if their first album is just you know you know is a classic, um, you know when they come out with the second album they're they're pressured to do part two of that particular album. And a lot of times it falls short of expectations. That's why you have a lot of one-hit wonders because they can't replicate 
the the quality of you know that first that first record. But that didn't happen with um, with DMX. Uh, his stand power was was off the charts, man. Because he came back with um, "Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood," and like I said, that also went to number one. And also um, had some um, indelible singles on it as well. For example, "Slipping," uh, which is my favorite from that particular record. Also, um, uh, he did what he did um, a song with Mary J. Blige as well that I liked a lot. Um, so, so and um, I think Swizz Beats did most of the production on that particular record. And he basically just stepped his game up. Even though Flesh My Flesh, Blood of My Blood didn't sell as, ma as many copies as It's Dark and, and Hell is Hot, it was a strong enough record to keep his momentum going into his third release. So what are your thoughts on Flesh My Flesh, Blood of My Blood real fast? So, uh, yeah, it, this album, to me, was kind of a drop-off uh, from the, the debut album. Uh, but that doesn't mean it was bad. Not bad at all. It's it's darker and more sinister, and uh, you know that definitely works. Of course, you know that I think that was the vibe he was going for. It, it wasn't it wasn't as dark as hell as hot um, part two. It was another side of him, kind of going further into that that uh, dark hellhole, I guess. You know, and uh, it had some great tracks on it. It had some. Uh, some some more introspective tracks. Um, Slipping, you know, that I think that was a, a, a big hit because of it being as relatable as it was and talking about his, his uh, downfall into basically sort of insanity and such. And uh, people were, were, were really feeling that. And the, uh, the Mary J. Blige song you're talking about, I don't quite remember that one. But, uh, what well, you can tell me about that? What, what was that one about? Was that, uh... Uh, the Mary J. Blige song, that was... What was the name of that damn song? Uh, Coming From. The name of that song was Coming From. Um, it's been a while since I heard it. It was just really good. <laughs> I liked <laughs> okay. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I've... Uh, I probably stayed away from it. I think it wasn't one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And I haven't heard it in a while. Mm -hmm. Um... My favorite track on the album is the, the title track, mm -hmm. um, and and actually prayer too. Uh, ready to meet him. I like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he's fun to imitate, just in case you you know. I yeah. Like to imitate. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I was surprised he had a track with Marilyn Manson. So I was I was interested in listening to, to, to that one. Yeah, the Omen. And, and, yeah, Damien yeah. too. Yeah. And that was a, 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 a sequel to um, one of the tracks off the first album. Right. Um, and it, it, was, it, was, it was basically um, a darker side. Like I said, the whole album was, was darker. And not so much even like banging like hard. It was just kind of a, a, a different, darker side. And I think that's why people weren't, weren't as into it. But you can't really deny that it's a really great record and I don't know if, if it doesn't get too much play from me is if I go back to DMX it's gonna be dark sales hot but flesh my flesh is a, a great album and I think I will listen to it today because I'm going through the track list and 
There's a lot of stuff on here that I remember. It's really, really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That being said, that pushes us into the third re release, um, which was, and then there was X, and this is one that went six times platinum. His, uh, this was his biggest sell selling um, LP of his career. And this is the one that contained probably one of his most fun songs is Party Up, Up in Here. Uh, that was one that crossed over that uh, I think it really kind of brought, you know, brought, uh, brought him into the mainstream as far as um, tapping into the white market. If this was that, you know, particular song that everybody and their grandma the played. Market. So what? The white market. Yeah, the white market. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on now. Hey, come on. In the music business, if you want to, if you want to last, you got you got to win over white folk. You know that, man. As you know. opposed to the black market. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like drugs and guns. <laughs> that too is 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 the equivalent. It's the equivalent. But this is the record that crossed him over into into white America. It really kind of, you know, you know, lifted him into the stratosphere. Uh, a lot of folks say they don't, that, you know, Party Up is not their favorite DMX song. I get it because it, it was probably his most popular song, you know, across, across genres or whatever. But to me, it's a fun song, man. Whenever I hear this song, man, I, I, can't, I can't help but, you know, nod my head or throw my hands up or whatever, right? Because it, it was a party song, and the name of the song is Party Up. So, you know, y'all going to make me lose my mind. I mean... That'll get any party jumping. You hear it at sporting events, you name it. It's just one of those songs. It was kind of like, who let the dogs out? You know? <laughs> no, it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean, man. It's that type of song where, you know, everybody, you know, especially at sporting events, man, you always heard, you know, playing over loudspeakers, you know, up in here, up in here, get the, get the crowd going. So that type of thing, man. So what are your thoughts about, about, and then there was X and Party Up? So, uh, um, little note to begin with. Mm -hmm. All three of these first albums I bought for Corwin. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Why are you buying for, for Corwin? You can buy them himself? Uh, I don't remember exactly why. I think it was uh, just as a gift. Mm -hmm. Because at the, at the time that they came out, there was some reason why I'd be given gifts. So, <laughs> I, I, or maybe he just expected me to, I don't know. But um, I bought all three of these albums okay. when they came out for him. And uh, I remember joking with him when this album came out because um, I wasn't um, with him at the time uh, when I bought it. So I had it for, like, in my possession for a while, and he got upset with me because I told him I listened to it before I gave it to him. Uh, <laughs> What's the matter? What? What does it matter that you listen to it? Because I opened it. So? It, it bothered him. But yeah. I was lying. I actually didn't open it. Uh, I told him that I opened it and listened to it. And he was really upset about it. Uh, but I wanted to listen to it. I actually did not hear it until I, I gave it to him. So anyway, uh, this album kind of surprises me that it was his his, uh, his top-selling album because it's a little more subdued. And uh, it is, well, I guess you say it crossed over into the white market. And I guess the reason for that is because it is subdued and it kind of tones down the, the gun talk. Uh, it is, it goes more into the, the personal and introspective mode uh, that the last album had, but less dark and more personable, I guess. And, uh, you know, only an album like this could have Party Up in it. And I can tell you about Party Up I liked it back then. Now I actually can't stand it. 
I've heard it so much in my life. I just, I, I, I can't listen to it anymore. Um, I know why people like it. It's a fun song, but uh, I just, I don't know. It doesn't do much for me now. So uh, it's been a while since I've heard it. Maybe if I heard it again uh, at some point, I would, I would enjoy it. But I usually, whenever I hear it, I, I, I skip past it if it comes on. Um, what I do like is, uh, you know, the, it starts off really great. Warmer Road to Cross is a fantastic track. One more road to crawl. I love that track. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, uh, What's My Name, everybody loves that too, but I think that's probably the best track on the album. Uh, at first I hated it because I really thought it was, it was kind of a, a, a lazy, repetitive song. But it's one of those things you hear enough, uh, it kind of makes you love it. And that's why I love it now. Um, but overall, like I said, the, the album is a, a, a more personal album, and, and, and it tones down violence and, and gangster talk and whatever. And it has uh, more spiritual stuff going on, uh, more speaking about God and I think that really resonated with people and, uh, it's, it's a good album but it's kind of a drop off from the first two um, good nonetheless I agree I agree alright next up um, was what came next the next album was uh, The Great Depression um, that was his fourth record and it also went to um, went to number one and the Great Depression is the record that um, that has my favorite DMX song of all time on it, Bloodline Anthem. Um, and this particular record, um, it had a number of um, nice cuts on it as well. Um, we write, we write here, who we be, but um, but Bloodline Anthem is um, my favorite cut from this particular record. Um, it went to number one, of course. It was his fourth straight record to go to number one, so obviously it was it was it was um, widely heard, widely played. Played. Um, it got um, got good good reviews. So, what are your memories of um, the Great Depression? The Great Depression was an album I did not like that well. Why not? I thought it had some bangers on it, but it just you know it 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 uh, just didn't resonate with me. You know, um, yeah, Bloodline Anthem is is a fantastic track. It's one of his more uh, indelible and enduring tracks, uh, but just the, the the rest of it seemed more like uh, I don't want to say it, but I, I mean you already said it, catering to the white market. <laughs> not really the white market so much. It's not a. Uh, it, it just didn't seem so much like uh, it's like a different direction, I guess. And it wasn't a direction I necessarily liked. Um, I mean, it had some really good stuff on it. My favorite track, I do like Bloodline Anthem, but my favorite track is Train of Mo. Um, there's something about that that track that's really, like, it bounces. I just, I, I listen to that on a regular basis. Oh, really? Like he's talking about, huh? I said, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like what he's talking about in that, in that track. You know, uh, he actually has a line in that one that I really like. It's like, you know, you already talked about uh, how much your watches work. How about helping hurt, saving the church? 
you know. <laughs> that, I, I really like that. You yeah. know, I, I think um, at this point, it kind of encompasses what the whole album kind of is, and it's, it's kind of ironic that I say it's, this album didn't really do it for me, but that's kind of what the album was, kind of a, you know, you heard all the gangster talk, but now I'll tell you that the, the other stuff that's going on in my life and what I think should be happening and such. And uh, he was about helping people, because if, if uh, you know anything about his life, he constantly did things to help people. Um, so I think a lot of that kind of shined through in the lyrics on this record, but it just, in a way, it, it just... I don't know. I can't, I can't say I don't like it, but it's not my favorite. Okay. Gotcha. Next up was Grand Champ, also went to number one, his fifth consecutive record to go to number one, which is a record that he uh, that he set. He's the first artist to ever have his first five records go straight to number one. Grand Champ uh, is, mo is most widely, uh, widely recognized um, by the song... Um, where the hood, where the hood, where the hood at? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I, I think uh, Grand Champ, that particular song was a return to his vibe of um, Dark and Hell is Hot as far as just the way that the energy of that particular record. I like Grand Champ a lot. Uh, and he shocked the music world by saying that Grand Champ would be his last album that he was going to retire. Of course, he didn't retire, but, but, but when he announced it at that time, like, wait a minute, man, what, what is your problem? But uh, but yeah, Grand Champ. I like Grand Champ a lot, and Where the Hood At is one of my one of my favorites of all his songs. So, what are your thoughts on uh, Grand Champ and Where the Hood, Where the Hood, Where the Hood At? I like uh, the album a lot too, and I did think it was kind of a return to form uh, after he he had you know so so much success um, with the previous two albums. He decided I'm gonna you know go back to the street. And that's why we got the tracks we got on here. Well, the hood that, of course, really um, resonated with me because of the sample that he used, which, you know, we first heard on Big Daddy Kane, uh, um, Young Gifted and Black. Is that what it's called? Was it Young Gifted and Black? I believe so. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, I should remember that because I love that track. Uh, but I like uh, I like that that was an, an anthem as well as Get It On The Floor. Uh, I was listening to that last night. Get It On The Floor is, is more, uh, a more uh, dance-oriented track, but not like Party Up. It is hard, and I love that one. Um, th th this is a very long, long, long album, too. Um, while I think it is good, like I said it's not one of my favorites, but it has, as a bonus track, my very favorite DMX song ever, which is X Gonna Give It To You. X Gonna Give It To You! Uh, that is... I, I, I'll have to say this was where I should stop listening to DMX. Break bed uh, with the enemy! I, I'll, I'll say I stopped listening to him, uh, not because I didn't like him anymore, perhaps because he already made his best track. It's gonna deliver to you. Knock, knock, <laughs> open up the door, it's real. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah. He, he actually hit his pinnacle on Grand Champ. Not that that the album itself is is his best, but he hit his pinnacle with that track, and um, I'll always remember it for, for that. Now, did this album actually do well? Uh, it went to um, you mean to my Grand Champ? Yeah. Well, Grand Champ was number one. It went, it went number one. It was his fifth straight number one. Um, number one release. So yeah, the the album did very well. Now his follow up to his 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 sixth release didn't do as well. It only went to number two on the on the um, Billboard um, oh, yeah. two hundred list. So uh, I mean, you know, just I mean, the dude definitely had staying power. Even if the music may not have been as strong from some of his uh, as his earlier records, it was still strong enough to get him. I mean, Jay. I mean, I think you know he he had built up so much so much credit with the with the hip hop community that anything that he released was going to um, you know, sell some copies and get them on the charts. So right. that's kind of where he was at that time. And of course, he started to fall off a little bit after that. But that's but X gonna give it to you um, came along and kind of propped him up again as hey, this, this motherfucker really is you know about that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's one of his most popular songs, obviously, and um, and uh, I mean the beat is the, the, with, with the with the horns and the and the I guess it was a marching band. I mean everything about this, you know. And this is a song that's played a lot of HBCUs by the bands and everything. So so yeah, yeah X gonna give it to you is definitely a classic. So yeah, there, you know, there's a lot that I can say about that track. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the game Def Jam Vendetta? Yeah. So, um, I go hard getting busy with it. <laughs> I bought that that um, that game because I knew that song was in it, and it plays during the fight with DMX, and uh, and a lot of times I would just fight DMX just to to listen to that track over and over again. First we're gonna rock, then we're gonna roll. <laughs> you let it pop. <laughs> Go, let it go. It's gonna give it to you. <laughs> you never gave nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has some nice, he has some nice lines in this song, man. <laughs> what? What? Say so what? I said he has some, he has some good lines in this song, man. Oh yeah, he had a, yeah. a, 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 a lot of his songs, a, a lot of lines in that song that just worth repeating. Um, everybody knows that because it's kind of a meme in a way. You know, uh, you, you hear it a lot uh, in, like, video game uh, trailers and things like that. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's a, a song that lives on. And, uh, you know, that's why I think it was his pinnacle. Because it just seemed like this is the track that he was going to make uh, as his comeback. Like, this is his big comeback. And it was for, um, it's for a movie. What was that movie? Uh, I think that was for Cradle to the Grave, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Cradle, yeah, Cradle to the Grave, yeah. Well, that being said, let's segue into his movie career a little bit. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, of course, uh, he started acting uh, in a number of um, of um, films, a lot of action films. Uh, his first film was Belly. Now, I've talked about Belly before, and I've tried to convince you to do a Belly retrospective with me. One day, I'll get you to do it with me, whatever, right? But, of course, Belly is the film that was directed by Hype Williams, starred himself and Nas. And um, it was not a good movie, but it's a movie that, to me, is just totally rewatchable. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's a guilty pleasure. And I'll say this much. Uh, it was a great debut performance by DMX in a film. It showed that he had uh, much talent uh, as an actor. Hey, hold on for a second, man. Just a second. Just a second. Feel some air for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, DMX's performance in, uh, in, in Belly uh, kind of solidified him as a good actor because, in a way, he was being himself, but kind of an exaggerated side of himself because uh, who he was in that movie was a very unlikable character. Not that no, t Tommy Tommy Buns was very likable. What are you talking about, man? Uh, I love the character, man. He was an evil character. Yeah, but he and got redemption. He redeemed himself. He redeemed himself at the end, yes. But he was an evil character. And I don't like evil characters in movies. You know, there's something to be said about kind of a, a, a villain uh, that makes you hate him. That's some good acting right there. But at the same time, he was a very evil character, and it made you not like him. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't find him to be, um, I wanted him to be killed. I didn't I didn't want his, his redemption arc to happen. I really wanted him to, to die, you know, because he was, he was totally bad. He was bad to everybody. He humiliated people. He crossed <laughs> people, and, they, and he, he, like, screwed them over. Uh, I'm feeling a lot of heat coming off that sofa. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Strip nigga. You know, he, was, he was just so unlikable. No, he wasn't. He was very likable, man. No, I don't think he was. Really. Keisha. <laughs> Come on, man. He was very likable, man. Yeah. He, he, he was relatable. He wasn't relatable. To, I think that's the thing. He wasn't relatable to me. He was relatable to me. I See, I, I guess because I knew people like that. I've met people like that who had that kind of... That kind of attitude and persona, man. So, so I, I kind of get it. Now, rumor is, and, and, and I should say rumor is, my theory is, is that the character that he played in Belly, uh, Tommy Machine Buns, uh, Tommy Buns, um, was a distant relative of Bishop from Juice. Yeah. You know, because, um, I mean, Tommy Buns was like, was like Bishop 2.0. To me, so uh, and, and, and that's kind of the thing. Like mm -hmm. Bishop was an evil character. Yeah, he was not likable. Now Bishop was not likable, but but I didn't I didn't like Tupac. So that you know, if I liked Tupac, then I would have liked Bishop. I think, but I, I liked Dmx, so I liked Buns. You know what I mean? Whereas I thought the Nas character was kind of soft. But uh, but yeah, I, I never I never liked Tupac as I've said before in other podcasts or whatever. Um, so therefore, I did not like Bishop. So, there's um, always that. Well, I think that's kind of the thing. Mm -hmm. I like I like the Nas character because mm -hmm. he was kind of soft, you know. And I really, I guess I relate more to him because I'm that kind of person, mm -hmm. you know, a more introspective person, person who's trying to, to, to let's let's go to Africa. Well, yeah, you know, I don't have any desire to go to Africa and, like, you know, enlighten myself or anything. Nobody said, let's go to Africa out of the blue. <laughs> I, I know, but I understood where he was coming from. It was, you know. Uh, and you know what T-Bar said, right? In uh, response to that, right? You know what T-Bar yeah. said in response to that? When he said, let's go to Africa? She said, Africa is, like, far. 
like, ain't like you go around the, down the street. Ain't like you, ain't like you going to, ain't like you going to Fort Valley, motherfucker. Shit, it's like Africa. That's a plane ride, motherfucker. That's a day and a half on a plane. Go to some place where nobody knows us and don't give a damn about us. Who you go? You go from one place where you know place in America that hates you, you know, because because real Africans hate black Americans. I mean, you go to a place where you're really gonna be hated. That's true. Yeah, but you know, black people often have the the thought that you know going to the motherland. No, no, no. That ain't my motherland. My motherland is, is Alberta, damn it. Yeah. No, <laughs> Georgia is my motherland. No doubt. If I went to Africa right now, I'm not going to know a soul. And, no, and nobody's going to know me. And you're <laughs> not going to feel comfortable. No, I'm not. It, it, it's not <laughs> like you're going to go there and be, be uh, welcome with open arms. And, you know, we love this guy. I mean, you know. The fact that in that movie he was not Nas, you know, maybe if Nas goes to Africa for the first time, he might be. But, you know, in that movie, no, nobody would know him. And but but you know, black people have that um, have the thought of let's go to the motherland and get in touch with with you know our African roots and you know. Yeah, but yeah, but that, that, that that's the... from what you... what. White America's made us into. Yeah, but who black folks who who have that time who say let's go back to the motherland? Those are the disillusioned ones, you know, who are not who are not in touch with reality. You know what I mean? Cause you know, cause yo yeah, let's go to Africa. You take your ass to Africa, get off that plane, tell my hey, I'm here. She, you wind up, you gonna you gonna wind up in the in the, in the bush somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> be searching for your ass and shit. They, Africans do not like black Americans, black African Americans. They don't like they don't like you calling yourself African African American for one. They do not like us. They're like you are not African. No, you're not. And you're you're not even like truly black. Yeah. You know, that's that's really how they feel. You like, fugazi. They try to rob you. Exactly. Because they're like you know you're not one of us, and you know we don't really care about what's what's going to happen to you. Uh, you know we we really might rape and kill you. Throw you in the bush and lagos. Um, <laughs> for real, for real. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna digress for a second here. Um, uh, of course, I live in Atlanta, and um, and uh, I had an office uh, um, last year. I had an office out in Lithia Springs, which is in, which is uh, in northwest at Atlanta. Anyways, um, I had an office out there, right? And uh, and and, and uh, my office. Uh, in, in this community, there were a lot of Africans who had obviously migrated, you know, immigrated here to Atlanta, and and a lot a lot of them live in that in that area. So I had a lot of uh, a lot of clients who were Africans, and I'm telling you right now, those are some of the most unlikable motherfuckers I've ever met. We did not get along at all. I did not like, and if if they're listening, I didn't like you. I I, I got into so many battles. You know disagreements with these, you know, with 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 the, with those clients and everything. And a lot of them, I, had, I wound up dropping these clients because I was like, I I much rather lose business than deal, deal with your fucking ass. You know what I mean? And they were very rude and condescending towards me. You know what I mean? So so I, I so so when I when I talk about when I say Africans don't like Black Americans, that's coming from a place of knowledge because it's something I, I've experienced, you know, head on. You know what I'm saying? 
So, yeah, yeah. so I'll let you go from there. Go. <laughs> I mean, I, I get that. Um, and, you know, whoever's listening to this, I don't want anybody to think that I hate Africans or that, uh, that I'm talking about all Africans. Because it's not true. I've known some good Africans, some really good Africans. And, uh, you know, uh, I kind of sort of, well, anyway. Well, I, I, know, I know some good ones too, man. But I say, I say by and large, I say 75% of the ones that I've, that I've encountered you know, are very unlikable people. I mean, for whatever reason, we just didn't, we, we just didn't, you know, we just didn't connect on that level. And it wasn't like, yeah. okay, I'm black, you're black, you know, we brothers. Hell no. Hell yeah. no. I, I mean, I've known Africans, mm-hmm. one in particular, that's really on my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known Africans who really went out of their way to try to screw me over. Um, was it Umfufu? Um, no. <laughs> Eddie. There, there was no bone in his nose. I want to talk to you. No bone in his nose. And he didn't say he wanted half. You treat me like animal. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done for me lately? <laughs> half. I half. Shit. half. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't him for Fufu. Okay, uh, okay. But, but, you know, people... They, Certain people will go out of the way to try to go out of the way to try to screw you over. There was one guy who, who who often, you know, supposed to be friends, and rather than trying to help me or give me something, you know, do something for me as a friend, he would always try to do something to sell me something or try to get money from me that, that you know, um, a friend would actually just do for you, you know. Mm-hmm. If you say something like, "Hey man, let's uh, let's uh, go to let's go get something to eat," <laughs> he would charge you <laughs> to go to the to, to drive you to the restaurant so you can both eat. <laughs> he would have things like, you know, everybody knows I love video games. He would have field video games that he'd say, "I don't want this game." And he will sell it to me rather than giving it to me. You don't want it. Why are you selling it to me? What are you going to do with it? Ain't never gave nothing to me. (laughs) (laughs) And my hands are not out just wanting something from him. But I'm telling you, if I want, if I have something, then I literally tell you I do not want this. I've never used it. I've had all the time. I've never even opened it. I don't want it. (laughs) Why would I sell it to you? That's, that's so selfish to me. And, you know, that... that well, it's, it's, it's a culture thing, man. It's their culture. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I guess so. <laughs> you know, generosity doesn't doesn't come naturally to them, I guess. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of my clients, whatever, man, I mean, you know, in that same, same type of situation, whatever, right, you know, they would get mad at me, you know, you know, for charging them what, you know, whatever amount that I would charge them or whatever, right? I'm like, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm in business to make money like everybody else. But they would, you know, like, you know, you're trying, you're trying to rip me off, brother. First of all, I ain't your damn brother. You know what I mean? But, I mean, they would just, just nickeling down you to death, man. I mean, it was just, it, it, um, it, it's, very, it's very unpleasant. For, it was very unpleasant for me doing business with, you know, with naturalized Africans. Is that what I should call them, naturalized Af- Af- Africans? Uh, 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 Genuine Africans or... or Africans from the motherland. <laughs> Africans from the, yeah, yeah. Africans from the motherland. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it was just it was just very unpleasant doing business with them. To where I I, I simply did not want to do it. And, I, and I, like I said, I, I cut I cut a lot of clients off because it was just so uncomfortable doing business with them. So, anyways, that yeah, Africans and Jamaicans. Oh my God. I don't have a lot of experiences with, with Jamaicans. Woo! Woo! Ooh, good lord! Now that's an experience. I know we're totally digressing off of DMX, but uh, but hey, Tommy Bonds did go to Jamaica to to assassinate uh, what's her name? What's his name? What's her name? Who did he assassinate? He assassinated somebody. I don't remember his name, but he was the original Don Dada. Yeah, the, no, he he assassinated the guy, the dread guy, who's like uh, the drug dealer, the, the the rival of the original Don Dada. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, so so this is tying back into DMX. <laughs> <laughs> but Belly, I will say this much about Belly just get, to get back on track. Um, Belly, the first thirty minutes of Belly were magnificent, magnificent. So if the, if the movie ended after the first thirty minutes, it's a classic. But obviously, the hype he ran out of ideas. He basically ran out of gas, and the last two acts were just you know were not very strong at all. And that's what kind of I think cost the movie. But it was a great uh, debut by um, by DMX. And, um, and it was a very striking movie, like the visually striking. Yes, yes, yes. Cause uh, Hype Williams is a video music video director, and it had that feel to it. It was very dark as far as it was not lit very well. Um, but um, but that being said, he got a great performance out of DMA because obviously you hated him, so he he achieved what he what he needed to achieve in that character. Yeah. Um, but I. Uh, DMX did several films. Uh, my favorite DMX film is a, is a movie of, oh, uh, uh, I don't think it really got a whole lot of recognition, but it was very good. A movie called, um, entitled Never Die Alone. Have you seen that one? No, I have not. Okay, in this film, Never Die Alone, uh, DMX plays um, a former drug dealer slash pimp who at the very beginning of the movie gets killed. Okay? And um, he gets killed in the presence of this guy who's a reporter play, played by David Arquette. And he actually, he got killed saving David Arquette's life, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but I think David Arquette was getting, like, mugged or something in New York, you know, by some, by some thugs or whatever. And the DMX character stepped in and helped him and got stabbed in the eye and died. So, um, this, this, but this affected David so much, this guy risked his life, he gave his life to save mine, that he wanted to learn as much as he could about the guy. So he started researching the guy. And in the movie is told in flashback, he learned a lot of things about about um, the DMX character. I think the I think the character had given him something, something clues, whatever. Anyways, the film was about him. It's told in flashback where he's basically learning about the life of this guy that gave his life to save his. So it was a very well made film, and and it was probably DMX's best performance. So. If um if you're out there listening, if you've never seen Never Die Alone, I highly recommend it. It was a good performance by um by Mike Ely is in it as well. It was a very good performance by DMX. He he plays another despicable character in this film, and uh, you you say that you know you know you didn't like Tommy uh, in, in Belly, you probably wouldn't like his character in in um Never Die Alone as well. But he's he. But the way that the character is presented, he's a he's a very unlikable person. But he did something that's very selfless. Gave his life to save somebody else. So, it's an interesting film. Very interesting. Um, so, if you ever have a, if you ever have a chance, check it out, Jake and everybody out there listening. It's called Never Die Alone, starring DMX with David Arquette and Mike Ely. All right. Okay. 
So what are what are your thoughts about you know his music his movie career in general? Well, I can say I probably I I can't really say that I've liked any of his movies. And it's kind of weird to say because okay. I love most of them he's been in been in martial arts movies, uh, and crime movies, and yeah. I like movies like that. Um, you know, uh, Predators of the Grave and Romeo Must Die were Jet Li movies. Yep. And I like Jet Li a lot, but I just thought those movies in general just kind of they didn't do it for me. But I, mean, I didn't like either yeah. one of those. Uh. But DMX is a good actor. He was. Yeah. Um, essentially, he played himself in a lot of movies. But, and, and like I said, with him being as real as he was, if he's playing himself in a movie, you, you know, you, you believe it. Uh, and I think that's why he was cast in a lot of movies like that. Because, you know, he's playing a character very similar to himself. Uh, and, and, you know, that's believable, and that, that resonates with people. So, uh, his, his acting was, was good. It's just that the movies he was in, eh, eh, you know, it's kind of kind of meh. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, uh, his movie choices weren't that great after uh, Never Die Alone. Like I said, he, you know, some babies, basically some formulaic, you know, um, you know, uh, straight-to-video type. You know, action flicks, things of that nature. So, um, I think he had opportunity to be a great actor if he could have gotten some some working. You know, with some with some um, better directors, better scripts. You know, better concepts. Um, he he did. I think he had range as an actor. He just had to get into the right project to kind of bring that out. Um, I think that that he could have done well as far as maybe you know in a, in a television series, kind of like Ice T and in, in, uh, Law and Order, that type of situation. I could, I could have seen him playing a cop or something like that. Um, and then people have said that he sold out, though, just like they say about Ice-T. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, that's kind of a dumb thing to say. You play a cop in a, in a movie or a TV show, and people say that, that you sell out. But I think that's... That's why it's called acting. That's why it's called acting. But that's not how people see it. Yeah. You know, they Ice-T is fantastic. I love Ice-T. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a good actor. Mm -hmm. um, but people call him... A, a, a sellout because he plays a cop in a TV show. You know what? You know what my, you know what my response is to that is when Ice T's children's children's children are going to Harvard because of what he did. Okay, then then you can talk to me. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't agree with that. I'm <laughs> just saying. I mean, I agree with what you said. I don't agree with what people say. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying that's what. What would have happened to DMX if he had gone that route? Ice T is an actor. He he's a he's a hip hop artist and he's also an actor. Um, yeah. Just like Will Smith and whomever else that has the, you know LL Cool J people that have had success in the acting field. Queen Latifah, you know, or is, is Queen Latifah a, a sellout for playing a CIA agent in um, the Equalizer? Huh? You know, nobody nobody calls uh, 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 Queen Latifah hard, you know, so. No, I don't think she is, but I'm pretty sure, you know, if she were, were a gangster rapper, uh, somebody would say Ice that. Cube gangster? Gangster and rapper? People, <laughs> yes, and people call Ice Cube a sellout. I mean, haven't you seen the memes where they have uh, Ice Cube on the on the couch with uh, Be Real with, with the, the AK-47? Uh, 
And it's like, first I was like, and then there's uh, another one with him after that, him in the boat with uh, with some kids smiling uh, from, from like, are we there yet or something? Like, then I was like, you know. Hey, let, let, let me let me let me debunk something real fast, man. Let me de- debunk something, okay? Uh, DMX was a, was an outlier, but let, let me debunk something, man. I say probably ninety nine point nine percent of rappers are fugazi, okay? It's a persona, you know, you know, you know that you know. I, I say ninety nine point nine percent of them aren't really about their life. That's what they talk about. They they are very talented people. Who have a skill and they've utilized that skill, you know, to the best, uh, you know, they've maximized their their skill set. You know what I mean? But, you know, just because on the record you're saying, I'll shoot your mama, kill your daddy, all this kind of stuff, I mean, you're actually doing it. (laughs) I mean, it's an act. It's an act, y'all. Don't take this shit serious. People don't get that, though. No. People don't get that. I've met a lot of rappers, you know, famous ones and not so famous ones. And, their persona, you know, you hit a record, oh, damn, this was hard. You meet that motherfucker, he's soft as cotton nail. You know what I mean? <laughs> Reading the Wall Street Journal, talking about Bitcoin. I mean. Yeah, yeah. No. Don't, 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 mean, don't buy into the hype, y'all. I mean, a lot of times people talk about what they know. Just mm-hmm. because they know it doesn't mean they live it. Mm-hmm. And, even if they, and even if they do live it, like, they shouldn't be living it at this point if they have, if they've made, their, their way into a successful and legitimate uh, role while they continue to live the dumb life of illegality mm-hmm. and crime and violence while they do that. You know, one thing I like about Ice Cube and DMX, actually, is that although um, on records they might talk about violence, um, they also talk about positivity. And you know, especially like uh, current day Ice Cube albums are often full of positivity. Yeah, and often my Ice Cube, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying this on any authority. You know what I mean? But my takeaway from Ice Cube is, in real life, Ice Cube can't bust a grape. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, that's just my my interpretation of Ice Cube. Ice Cube. That, you know, if something jumped off or whatever, he'd be the first one out the back door. You know what I mean? I don't so, know. Like the whole, the whole, the whole NWA crew, man. I never let, let them do like you know, these motherfucking hard, you know, you know, no one fuck with them. Then none of them strike fear in my heart. None of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe red at some point. Maybe none of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I'm always wanted to, to like meet Ice Cube. So I think he'd be a cool guy to know. He, I'm sure. I'm sure. Ice Cube probably. You probably have a deep conversation with Ice Cube. He. He. You can tell. You can tell he is hyper intelligent. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. Then to to accomplish the things that he he's accomplished as a businessman in his life, you you can't be what your persona says you are. You can't be. Right. You know what I mean. So. And and one thing I like, and still to connect this to DMX, one thing that I like about Ice Cube is again he talks about positivity and a lot of it is aimed at. Uh, at people who think you should be living a gangster life. You know, a lot of it is you shouldn't be doing this. I know about this and I know um, how it works, but I also know where it ends. You shouldn't do this. You should be like me. 
get like me and actually make money and be smart about it. And DMX talked about that a lot too. And I repeat, and I I repeat, Ice Cube's children's children's children will be graduating from Juilliard. Right. You know, in Princeton. (laughs) Stanford. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people like, this is really dumb, but I think a lot of people who listen to hip hop Mm -hmm. and rap and, you know, just, you know, whatever, a lot of people want to look up to, okay, it's time for me to go into a tirade, okay? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's time for me, and I've said this before. I said it in the last one we did. People who listen to rap think that all there is to life is violence and conflict. And that's one thing that I hate about current rap, like trap music and, and such. You can't listen to trap music without hearing a song about conflict and violence. Every single thing that I hear is about having a conflict with another man, usually a black man. Rarely they talk, do they talk about um, anybody white or not black. It's always you have a conflict with this guy, this black guy, or some other black guys or something. You're going to rob them. You're going to kill them. You're going to take their money. And you're going to take their girlfriend. And, you know, you're going to impregnate a woman and you're not going to take care of the kids or maybe you'll take care of the kids but you're going to disrespect the woman and you're going to live on the street you're going to roll up on these niggas and you're going to roll up on these niggas I said that I said that because a lot of times I will hear those exact words in a trap song <laughs> roll up on these niggas, niggas. I hear it a lot Okay. I hear it Okay. and it's nigga nigga what Life is always, you know, I'm going to kill this, this person's bothering me, this person, I don't like this person, I don't like what they're doing, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> and, and you know, that was, that was. You be, you be, you're be, being sensitive and emotional, man. Huh? You're being sensitive and emotional. You, you, you're taking I, this way too far. Well, not really. Yeah, you not are. Not really. Yeah, you are, man. Because it might be because I've gotten old, but, you know, this is the same thing that, that a lot of people used to say about gangster rap. And it's, it, it didn't really apply back then, but I think it really applies now because young young people listen to this stuff and they think what I need to do is commit crimes and rap on the side. Commit crimes, make money, rap on the side, get rich, but still commit crimes. You know, uh, it, it doesn't really make sense. The whole thing of... of, of you know, the messages you get from a lot of the rappers who are still alive and have had very few run-ins with the law is they may talk about that stuff, but at the same time they're telling you, we may have done this at some point in our lives, but we don't do it anymore. We now are trying to, to live in, into old age, and you should be doing the same. But I don't hear that on, on trap music a lot. I really don't. And not that I just sit, there, sit here and listen to trap music, you know, I don't really take the, the words to heart as in, you know, this is something that I want to live. But I don't, when I do hear it, I don't hear anybody spreading the message of longevity. It's always something that's going to send you to an early grave. Enjoy, be hedonistic and be evil and, and you know, enjoy your life right now because it's going to end soon. And that's stupid. That's really <laughs> stupid. I hate that. Okay. I, I, I might be done. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're going a little bit too far with this, man. I, 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 yeah, I, I try to give people more credit for having intelligence than, than maybe you do, man. I think, I, I think, I think most folks, man, they they listen, to, they listen to that kind of music, man. It goes in one ear and out the other, man. It's a nice beat. I can dance to it. Good to drive through, drive to it, whatever. But you know, I, I'm not believing anything I'm hearing here. It's not affecting me that way. It's not gonna make me want to go out and shoot somebody or whatever. I, I just, I just, I just, you know, honestly believe that because that's, you know, that's just my interpretation of it. You might, your interpretation might be a little bit different or whatever, man. But well, let me nah. tell you what. I, I think most folks just know it's just an act. Well, my my interpretation of it may be the way that it is, probably because of where I live and what I do for a living and. And what I often have to, to, to deal with, what I see on a daily and nightly basis of people getting killed or going to jail because of something dumb. And nine times out of ten, out of ten um, I, can, I can guarantee you they're influenced by not only their, their horrible place in life of you know poverty and, and, and low education, but also what's going into their brains. As far as you know, movies and music, and that's unfortunate. I could be wrong, but I don't think that that I am. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine. We we've totally digressed, but uh, but once again, steering it back to uh, <laughs> to DMX, Dark Man X. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he was. He's one of the few hip hop artists I think was about that life who really was, you know, as you know, it wasn't, you know, he was an extension of that persona. But like I said, but I think he he was he was the exception and not you know the not the norm. And uh, and I think that's one of the things that like I said it endeared him to so many people, and I know it it endeared him to me. So yeah, and and also one thing about DMX is well, we kind of knew he was bipolar, right? So. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I'm not saying anything bad about anybody who's bipolar. I know a lot of bipolar people. It's, it's something that you struggle with. But with that, um, you, it, it means that you actually have multiple sides to you. And you want to do the right thing, but a lot of times you can't because of, you know, the, the mental issue that you deal with. And then there, you have the other, um, kind of pressures, external pressures that, that make it even harder. And even though DMX was a celebrity and he was he was uh, making money and he was he was experiencing success, he also had issues that he had to deal with himself and that kept him uh, making kind of questionable decisions. So, you know, he he was uh, genuine in that way, and that's why he he, he talked like I said before he talked about it. He always talked about what was going on with him, um, and that is why he was the exception to what I was saying about someone who stayed in the streets and, and continued crime and rapped about it. He, he wasn't glorifying any of it. He was telling you what was happening. I agree. I agree 100%. So, um, at the end of the day, his passing is a loss to the hip-hop community and uh, to the just to the entertainment community as a whole. And DMX... Motherfucker, you're gonna be missed. But you did a lot and his you did you did a lot with those fifty years that you had on the planet Earth. Unfortunately, a good deal of it was spent, you know, in turmoil and tragedy and poverty and things of that nature. But um, you know, he was he was truly an American success story, even though his 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 the final chapter of his life might not have been the way that we wanted it to be, that we would have preferred for him, 
Uh, but you can say, you, you can definitely say that this is a dude who did everything his way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we should all be so lucky to live a life as, as, um, um, as diverse as his and, and to experience things that he experienced. And my shouts go out to Earl Simmons on a, white, a life well lived. Go. Um, the 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 only thing that I'll add to it is one thing that's made me really happy. In uh, in his death is that he's getting the respect that he deserves. You know, people might talk about the problems he had, but they always talk about how legendary he was. And uh, everybody gives him respect. Everybody talks about him as you know someone who should be remembered and someone who who made an impact in this world, not just in music, he made an impact on people. And, uh, and I, I, I'm glad that he actually um, is being recognized for that because, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, they die and people say, oh man, that's, that's a shame. Yeah, rest in peace. And you hear about it for a day or two and then that's it. And uh, they don't really talk about what kind of impact that they had on, on people. Black Rob in particular, that I'm thinking about. You know, I'm Whoa. not a big fan of... Huh? Whoa. Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's what he's known for. Whoa. Ba- basically just that track. Yep. And, um... But that's really all you can say. You know, he, he had a hit song that everybody liked for a while. But, you know, you're not going to be talking about Black Rob the same way you're going to be talking about DMX in years to come. Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm just glad that he's actually, you know, being recognized for who he was and what he was and what he contributed to this world. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you make me sound dumb when you when you do that. Yeah, oh, sorry, man. My bad. No, I'm not trying to make you sound dumb or anything, man. Just okay. I'm with you on that, y'all. All right. So uh, once again. Um, Shout out to Black Rob. Uh, um, you know, he did pass away as well. So, you know, want to give him uh, the proper respect as well. Now, on that note, uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk a little bit about Shock G as well. Uh, as we all know, Shock G died uh, just about a week ago. Uh, Shock G is from uh, Digital Underground. Uh, uh, Digital Underground was a hip hop group out of the east, uh, east out of the west coast, out of the Oakland area. Uh, their claim to fame is um, is the 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 crossover hit Humpty Dance, which made the top twenty, and um, also um, the the other notoriety is um, that Tupac was a member of. He got his start in hip hop as a member of Digital Underground. Uh, Shock G had a had a dual persona. He was bipolar, I guess, like uh, DMX was. Uh, his his uh, alter ego was Humpty Hump. I think a lot of folks uh, actually believe that uh, Humpty Hump and Shock G were two separate people. No, they were the same person. Okay. <laughs> you, you know, when, when I was young for a while, I did think they were they were separate people. Oh really? I really did. Why? Yeah. Why, why? What made you think that? You know, you I know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and you know, I was. At the time, what was I like, eight, nine? So I mean, I thought there were two separate people for a while, 
And that was a thing that he actually tried to keep going for a while. Lots of people thought he, they were two different people. So uh, he tried to keep that going. So, you know, <laughs> in, in retrospect, it's like, how could you think that was a different person? But Well, I think uh, if you watch the Humpty Dance video, they try to make it seem like they're two separate people. Yeah. The way it's the way the way it's the shot, way it's shot and cut because Shock G was was uh, one of the three guys on the mic like doing the chorus, and of course you had you had Humpty Hump out front, but if you, if you really look at the video, you can tell it's, it's somebody else. Yeah, you know, in, in the in the in the in the wide shot uh, where you got Humpty and um, the three guys in the back, you can tell that it's not Shock G, but in the close-ups, it's Shock G. So yeah, they, they 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 did they did try to perpetrate like you know there were two separate people, but I saw Digital Underground live a couple of times. Uh, no, they're not the same person. I mean, they are the same person, should I say? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, Digital Underground um, they had a string of hits, or well, maybe not a string of hits, but they, they had some popular records in the hip hop community. Uh, Sex Packets, I listened to Sex Packets a lot when they came out. That's the one that had Humpty Hump on it, uh, the Humpty Dance on it, along with uh, Do What You Like. Um, they also um, performed, um, like I said, with uh, Tupac on Tupac's album. Uh, Tupac, one of Tupac's biggest hits was uh, "I Get Around." That was a song that was produced by um, by uh, Shock G, and also it, uh, it it featured Shock G and uh, Money B. Um, Money B. So what? Money B, the freaky diggy. Diggy. <laughs> uh, true story. Actually, I know Money B. Uh, Money B and I actually had the same publicist for a while, and when I was um, uh, considering a publicist, doing business with the publicist or whatever, I asked for references, and uh, and uh, and uh, Money B was um, was uh, one of the references. So I called him up, and um, and uh, he gave me a, gr a great reference by the way. And I did hire that that publicist or whatever. But he and I, we, he and I, we talked a while. We really kind of vibe with each other and got you know kind of got to know each other. It was really. You know, of all the people I've met in hip hop, you know, the folks that had had you know a certain level of success in hip hop, Money B was probably the nicest person I ever met. This dude was fucking nice as hell. You know, you know, and uh, we actually exchanged phone numbers and we would talk pretty frequently. We fall we fallen out of touch, you know, since then. This is several years ago, but uh, but uh, we and we knew some of the same people. In fact, uh, you know, in, in talking, you know, in, back in my days when I was a hip hop artist, whatever, we knew some of the same people, so we, we did, you know, connect on that level as well. But all that being said, he was a very nice person, you uh, know. So money beef out there listening, what up, man? Uh, but yeah, so what? That's interesting. Yeah, and I actually I met Shock G once at a at a Waffle House, having dinner at a Waffle House once, and. Uh, and I was there, he was there. And I'm like, hey, what up, man? You know, so we we kind of we kind of I vibe with him for a minute. I I, and I I did mention to him, hey, you know, tell Money B I said what up, you know, whatever, you know, we know some of the same people or whatever. Now, this was after after Digital Underground broken up. I think he was there by himself. He was there with some some girls or whatever, but he wasn't there with the crew or anything like that. But um, uh, but uh, but I did meet him once at a Waffle House and we we talked, you know, for a few minutes or whatever. So once again, he was he was a very nice guy as well, very genuine and all that kind of stuff. So so. Uh, my so my takeaway is that these uh, digital underground guys were um, uh, they appeared to be you know because they weren't hardcore gangsters or anything like that you know so um they were, you know they seem to be pretty you know pretty nice guys with um, the head screwed on straight or whatever 
that being said, my favorite, uh, my favorite digital underground song uh, is from their album Sons of the P. By the way, Sons of the P was an underrated record. If you ever have a chance to listen to it, listen to it. It was really good. My favorite digital underground song is from from um, Sons of the P. It's a song called uh, "A Good." It's a good thing that we're rapping. You ever heard that? Yes. Okay. So it it, it was one of the harder songs, and they tell a story about uh, about being pimps. So. So uh, if you ever, ever have a chance um, to listen to is a good thing that we're rapping because if it wasn't for the rapping, I'd be macking. Good thing we got music. So uh, they're basically saying that if it weren't for the fact that they were rappers, they would be pimps. So so check it out if you ever get a chance. So I've talked enough. What are your thoughts on Shock G? Go. I think uh, one thing that I've always liked about Shock G is that he seemed like a really nice guy. Like you said, he always came off as a nice guy, um, as a... a, a a likable person, um, a smart person, um, very well spoke, smoke, crap, very well spoken, um, and just somebody that you wanted to know. I liked his, his, uh, I liked the Humpty Hump persona. I liked his sense of humor. I liked the fact that he was an artist. I liked the fact that he, he, you know, he drew the album covers for, uh, Digital Underground. You know, he was a cartoonist in a way. Um, I've always liked that about him. As far as, uh, you know, his actual music and, and, and rap, you know, they made some, some fun stuff uh, in that group, and he was always my favorite. Um, he, you know, he had a good, smooth voice, um, lyrically smart and lyrically funny. You know, I, really, I always like it when someone has a good sense of humor and doesn't take themselves too terribly seriously. And, you know, that was kind of the, the um, air that, Digital Underground had anyway, and a lot of that came from Shop G. Um, my favorite song from him and uh, Digital Underground is on Sons of the P, and it's can, can you guess? Floating on the D line. No. Uh, Dolio flow. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it? No nose job. Oh Lord, really, man? <laughs> <laughs> Like no nose job. Uh, uh, nah. It was fun. It nah. was fun. And you know, it, it was fun. It was funny. And the beat is fantastic. And you, you know, why that would be my my favorite track? I don't know. I guess because you know, it, it's the one that stayed with me from childhood. You know, as an adult, maybe I, it should be something different. But I've always loved no nose job. Uh, so. <laughs> nah, bro. Nah. Nah, I can't roll with you on that one, yo. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I love it. And there's a remix that's even better. So, uh, I, 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 hey, I'm, I might be in the minority. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that one. The Sons of the P overall is a, is a great album. Um, I like the EP as well. Um, kiss me and I'll kiss you back. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that one is... Eh. All yeah. around the world, same song. No, same song is, is, of course, you know, a pop song. And uh, I think it was in a movie or something. Yeah, but, it was. Um, and that was Tupac's debut. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really, really fun song. Mm-hmm. And um, I like the fact that you have a verse from Shop G and Humpty Hump on the same track. Yep. Um, 
and um, and then Tupac comes in at the end. Yeah. And it's just overall, that one's just to me. That's kind of their their their. Uh, it kind of encapsulates encapsulates everything that that Israel Brown's about, in my opinion. It was fun, and uh, you know, it, it kind of goes on a little too long, but it, it, it was a good track. Um, that EP was was pretty good too. I think Shock G was a very good producer. Yes, he was. Um, he produced a lot of good stuff for a lot of different artists. Uh, um, most notably, Tupac, and he produced one of my favorite Tupac songs, which is "No More Tears," or not "No More," uh, "So Many Tears." So many tears. Um, mm-hmm. Huh? No, I said okay. Go, go ahead. Um, and you know that samples a Stevie Wonder song, but that to me that was. That's probably my, well, maybe not my favorite, but it's one of my favorite Tupac songs. And, you know, again, Shock G produced it, and it just, um, to this day, I listen to that track on a regular basis. Um, Shock G was really a, 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 he was a gift to hip-hop in a lot of ways. Um, so, I think it's very sad that, I know he had some troubles in his life, um, I know he had a drug problem at some point, and he was sick, you know. So it was kind of, in a way, of surprising that he died. But at the same time, knowing that he did go through some things, it kind of wasn't that surprising. Uh, it's just overall very sad, and uh, you know, it, it, it makes me think. Uh, you know, everybody has to die at some point. Everybody gets old, and you know, we're not all going to be here forever. So. But it just makes, you, makes me think, you know, perhaps all the good ones, <laughs> all the ones that we've grown to, to know and love all these years, you know, one day is going to be a day where we might have to do a show with everybody because everybody's going to go. I'm just, I'm just sad that we might be getting to that point. The people that you love just, you know. Yeah, you're right, man. It's, it's fast approaching, man. I mean, I, I've, I've buried my, I've already buried my musical hero, or Prince. You know what I mean? So everything yeah. else, man, is downhill from there. If you ask me, man. So yeah, you're absolutely right, man. We're, we're, we're getting to that point, man. Where folks, I think you know, guys getting into their, you know, in their mid fifties, you know, fifty to fifty five. A lot of these guys are dying of heart attacks. So that's that's telling me something. So yeah. you know, so uh, take care of yourselves out there. Get checkups, all that kind of stuff. Watch your A one C levels, all that kind of stuff, man. You know, get your COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, get vaccinated, all that kind of stuff. You know, exercise, eat right, all that kind of stuff. I need to take some of my own advice, but uh, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it's not like he was old, you know. No. He was 57. Yeah, he wasn't old. That's, that's, I wouldn't say that was old. No, it's and, not. And he, he and, and, and the group, you know, they were still out there performing, and, and uh, you know, they were making money. They were still doing their thing. And just think about it as it, it, going too soon is what they often say, you know. All right, now don't be bringing Michael Jackson into this, man. I'm not talking about Michael Jackson. <laughs> I didn't say a word about him. The Michael song "Going Too Soon." He made a song called "Going Too Soon," mm. but I mean, you want to sing it? <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, you know, really, man, that, that song, man, he was really talking about that, that little kid who left, who left the house, man, when you, say, you know, when uh, he wasn't doing him yet. He said, <laughs> Shut up, man. You need to come back in here. You're gone too soon. I wasn't done. I wasn't done with you yet. 
That's one of the worst things you could have said. <laughs> so just, wow. Wow. Why did you have to say that? Just, hey, you brought it up. You brought Mike into the no, damn conversation. Did, I didn't bring, I did you said gone too soon. I, I you said it. And not one thing did I say about Michael Jackson. I think, <laughs> you know, going too soon, as in Shock G and DMX are going too soon. Yeah, but that was a reference you know, to a Michael Jackson song. No, 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 it wasn't. Yeah, he didn't was. coin that, okay? <laughs> Michael Jackson didn't make that up. He made a song, and it, it was it's a middling song as it is. So, you know, no. Where's little Tommy? He's gone too oh, soon. <laughs> I wasn't done with him yet. Where's Bubbles? <laughs> Always. <laughs> and, Prince, and Prince said the same thing about the 14-year-old girl that he, he uh, was, was courting. Uh, stop you know? it, man. Stop it. Don't even go there, bro. You know better than that, man. He's, that, that's, that was a futile attempt, man. That was a futile attempt. Everybody knows Prince was legit. So He was, he was uh, legitimately... <laughs> Someone who courted uh, young girls. Yeah, he groomed them. Yeah, he groomed them. Yeah, but he, see, but but he did it the right way. He waited till they were eighteen before he, he ca- before he cashed that check, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it still it doesn't quite make it right, does it? Nah, nah, it don't, man. But uh, but like I said, he groomed them, but he waited till they were legal before he but cashed yeah. the check. I'm going to take care of you until <laughs> you, I can actually hit it. Yeah, and on your 18th birthday, it's on and popping. I'm gonna beat you to death, and that's what he did. So, it, it, but you know. but it was legal. <laughs> so yeah, so so Matt Gates right there listening. That's how you do it. <laughs> oh God! Now if we want to talk about somebody who did, yeah, I absolutely hate Matt Gates. I hate him too, man. But then again, you can't you can't trust anybody who don't have no lips. But <laughs> oh man, uh, you can't. Well, you just can't trust him. He looks like a like a freaking Batman villain. Uh, <laughs> He's turning into the Joker every day. You look at his face, those pointy eyebrows. Nah, nah. His, his Batman Joker would be the Sniveller. The sniv- yeah. yeah, he's a sniveling punk. The sniveling Sniveller. Yeah, the Sniveller. And, and, and the, the... Ah, Batman, where are you, Batman? <laughs> I'm the Sniveller. <laughs> Batman. It's over for you now, Batman. I'm the Sniveller all I know the location of the Bat Cave. <laughs> and I'm gonna send my 17 year old girl over there to to, to, to rape you. <laughs> or you can rape her, and then I can send you I, money over Venmo. I'm gonna rape Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred's a little too old for me, though. Where's Commissioner where's, Gordon's daughter? <laughs> yeah, where's, Barbara? <laughs> where's Barbara? Where's Dick Grayson? He's still young, right? That's right. <laughs> Is he legal yet? <laughs> I will. Uh, I will talk bad about Matt Gates for the rest of my life because I hate that dude. Yeah. He's 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 somebody who actually does not care anything about his job. He doesn't want to be a congressman. He doesn't want to be someone who's working for the people. Does he, he actually work? He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> he just goes. He goes and he he, he uh makes a, a big stink about a lot of stuff and and makes a big show out of everything. He wants to be a celebrity. And this guy actually said, you know, uh, I might transition into a uh, 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 host on Newsmax. Uh, okay, then. So you think... That's not, that's not going to make you a star. It'll make you a pariah. It's going to make you a moron. He, <laughs> but he, he, he thinks 
both of those things are you think those, those things are equal it's not like i want to work for the people no i, I you know i'm just going to talk about stuff that uh riles people up and that's what he does in in congress and i will look very forward to him going down one day do, do, do you think he smashed um marjorie taylor green yet <laughs> She's too old for him. <laughs> well, her Marjorie Taylor Greene's daughter. <laughs> uh, that might have happened, yeah. But he, he and uh, Greenberg, or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, uh, there's there's some characters, man. There's definitely some characters. Yeah, it's just uh, wow. Uh, but you know, a lot of times I always think, you know, um, good things always seem to happen to bad people. And, and bad people don't seem to ever get any kind of consequences. Like nothing ever, nothing ever seems to go wrong for them. They could do all of these terrible things, and they keep uh, being praised and, and keep succeeding. Well, but, Trump got fired, so there's that. Well, there's that. But you know, <laughs> what I say about Trump is, I could have sworn they said this man was going to be beset with uh, uh, legal troubles the minute he got out of office. Yet he's over here planning to uh, create a social network. So, like, when is he going to jail? I want to know. When is he going to jail? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's good things come to those who wait, man. So, but you know, he they're biding their time, hopefully. And no no, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> biding, biding the time. Yeah, they're biding their time, man. That sounds good there. Um... But this is not a conversation about Matt Gates, and this is not a conversation about Tr Donald Trump. This is a conversation about DMX, man. Maybe so. What? But I will, once again, I will say, I very much look forward to Matt Gates going down. So do I. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully it'll happen. And then we should, and, and hopefully we can do a show about him going down when it happens. I would gladly do that show. But you know, these dudes walk, walk between the raindrops, man. They always have and they always will. So, so um, you know, if, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, you know, chalk it up. You know, I mean, charge it to the game. But at least it's his, you know, at least, you know, you know, when he dies and, that, and you know, when y'all do that, uh, you know, that 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 uh, blurb on, on the death of Matt Gates, one of the things you're going to mention, the fact that he was embroiled in this controversy. So so he will he will wear that scarlet letter and he'll never become president. So so th when there's he, always when that. He, when he inevitably dies of a seven day cook binge. Right. It's a terrible thing to say, but yeah. I feel like it. Yeah. He's on that path. Yeah. Well, that being said, like I said, we digressed, but uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, Earl Simmons, <laughs> rest Earl in Simmons. peace. Rest Shock in peace. G. Greg Jacobs. So what? Uh, rest in peace to Greg Jacobs. Greg Jacobs is right. Uh, Shock G. So um and um and uh, everyone else out there who's passed away in the hip hop community. Recently, um, and those, uh, you know, there, there's others that are passed away that we haven't mentioned, but you know, but there's only so many minutes and hours in the day. But respect and love and 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 condolences to everybody out there that's lost someone in the hip hop community recently. So, that being said, any, any parting shots? No, I think I've said enough. It's so sad. <laughs> I agree. Well, what do you think? What are your thoughts about DMX and Shock G and everything that we've talked about? What were your thoughts about DMX's uh, discography? What were your thoughts about this, uh, about his film career? Just everything in general. What are your thoughts? What are your memories about DMX? When did you first hear from DMX? Uh, what was your favorite DMX song? Favorite DMX movie? Favorite Shock G song? Favorite Digital Underground song? Favorite everything? So, 
Comment below and let me know. And of course, I want you to um, subscribe. My subscriptions are up, and I do appreciate everyone who has subscribed. So please keep on. So we keep building this thing over here. Um, my podcasts are now available on Apple and also on Spotify and Google. So so there are more platforms out there now to where you can catch what Lonzo thinks. So make sure that you support us across all platforms, um, not just YouTube, but all platforms. I do appreciate your continued support, and as um, the show continues to grow, we'll continue to provide as much content as possible off the cuff. Nothing's nothing's pre-produced. It's it's you know it's it's totally organic. And it comes to my head. I say it. That's why it's called what Lonzo thinks. So once again, I appreciate everyone out there for um, for your continued support. And once again, like I said, just comment below and let me know what you think about everything that we talked about today. Because, as usual, you just heard what Lonzo thinks. Bye.